One of the primary narratives of ancient scripture is the travels and travails of the Israelites as they sought God's promised land. God's deeds would show, however, that God wasn't waiting for them there, but rather he was with them through it all, even in bondage and exile. Isaiah's words once again remind us that with a willing heart, God can lift us from our own bondage and exile and make us faithful servants, helping to guide other lost souls back home to him. I invite you to join us in our study today and encourage each of us to request divine understanding that the Spirit can teach us individually and specifically. Welcome to Come Follow Up. I think when I've had trying times in my life, I've turned to Christ um, by remembering that He is there to hold my hand. Obviously, life is full of trials, and you know, during those trying times, I, I turn to Christ because I know there's strength in Him. I think it's easy to want to run ahead and try and solve the problems by yourself, or sometimes you want to like drag your feet and not even face the problems at all. But if you remember that Christ is there to hold your hand, then you can walk forward and face whatever you need to with a, a little bit more hope that enabling power which allows me to continue on and know that you know these trials are only going to make me better and it's part of part of this life uh, and, and my progression welcome everybody thank you so much for being here today the topics that we're going to discuss today come from our studies from isaiah chapters 40 through 49 and the first topic we're going to discuss is hope of israel and the second topic is thou art my servant and to help us with our discussion topics today, we want to welcome back one of our scholars, Melissa Inouye. Melissa, so good to have you here. So glad to be back here. Melissa is a historian for the Church History Department of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And seated next to Melissa is our special guest today, Sister Michelle Craig. Sister Craig, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Uh, Sister Michelle Craig is currently serving as the first counselor in the General Young Women Presidency. Prior to this call, she served as a member of the Primary General Advisory Council. We're very excited to get to know you more and to learn from you and Melissa as well as we talk about some really good things today from Isaiah. So before we get into the specific topics, however, uh, I'd love to just get some initial thoughts on uh, the chapters we're gonna be looking at today. When I read these chapters, I read them from the lens of rather than trying to understand the historical background and the symbolism, which is wonderful and I, I know you can teach us, but I noticed the character of God mm. and um, what it taught me about Jesus Christ. And Joseph Smith said that to have faith in Jesus Christ, we need to have a correct understanding of his character and his attributes. So these chapters, I feel like, help me understand that and they increase my faith in Jesus Christ. So let's dig into our first topic, hope of Israel. Uh, Melissa, what kind of background or context can you give us uh, as we start this first topic? Sometimes when we're reading Isaiah, we kind of go, it sounds something like this. It's like famous scripture, blah, 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 <laughs> blah. Famous scripture, blah, 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 blah. Um, and why is that? Well, it, a lot of that is because they're talking about really specific kind of references to local politics and um, local historical events. So um, what helps me understand Isaiah, uh, especially these chapters, is to understand the context. So in the first part of Isaiah, there's this kind of theme of judgment. Um, repent or you're going to be clobbered by the Babylonian empire. From Isaiah chapter 40, 
on, um, there's this other theme of restoration, and it kind of picks up at a different moment in time. And now Israel has been clobbered by the Babylonian Empire. Um, the temple has been destroyed. The Israelites are, are away. Um, they're in exile. They're, they're refugees or, or you know, captives in another country. Um, but God is promising them restoration, comfort, um, and a kind of reversal of fortunes. You were in exile, but you're going to be home. The people who oppressed you are going to be fleeing. And, and I love what uh, Sister Craig mentioned about how um, there's, these chapters lead us to Christ. And one of the things that Isaiah uses to help us visualize is imagery. Sister Craig, were there some of these images within these verses that kind of stand out to you that help you strengthen your relationship with okay. the Savior? So much. Okay. Um, there, there's so much. Um, since we're starting with 40, there's a verse in Isaiah 40, the last verse, 31, that to me is so beautiful. Um, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. I think that's beautiful imagery that speaks of spiritual endurance. And I think most of us find ourselves in waiting places a lot of the time, waiting places that are hard. And I love this imagery of um, they shall mount up with wings as eagles and run and not be weary and walk and not faint. And we can do that because of Jesus Christ and his, his grace that allows us to make it through those waiting places stronger than we were before. I love it. So we're gonna put an image up showing you some of the things that Isaiah speaks about. Consider which one of those connects with you and I'd love to hear some of your thoughts. Natalie. So the common theme with these is, you know, he will strengthen us, he will uphold us, he is with us. And I think too, how from a foundation and some of the lyrics that come from this where it says, I will strengthen thee, help thee and cause thee to stand. And I know when I've gone through hard things in my life, that's something that I've repeated to myself so many times. And when I get on the other side, I'll look back and I'll think, I don't know how I got through that, but I know it's because he strengthened me, helped me and caused me to stand when I felt like I couldn't stand on my own. Uh, Natalie, is there a specific moment in your life where you feel that it was difficult, where you had that strength to stand? Yes. Um, I actually lost a pregnancy and it was, um, it was very traumatic. It was really hard. And, you know, to look back on it, throughout it, when I was first going through it, it I didn't know how I, I would possibly be able to get on the other side of it. I just didn't think it was possible. And then now as time has passed and I look back, I think that, I think somebody was there helping me. It wasn't just me, because if it was just me, I wouldn't have made it. But it, I know that through his strength and the way he held me and the way he used other people to help carry me as well, that's how I was able to get through it. Natalie, thank you so much for sharing that with us. I'd love to hear uh, other comments on uh, which of these images has special meaning to you. Grace. One that resonated with me a lot is fear not, I am with thee. Because I think everyone, including myself, has felt alone and forgotten by God when we go through hard times. But then if you just look at the small things, you see him there, you see his hand in your life if you're looking for him. And he's always there to comfort you and to listen to you. So he is there, even though it doesn't feel like it all the time. Thank you, Grace. Is there some specific small things uh, 
that stand out to you that really show you that he is there? There's so many things. Just knowing, like, my family. I feel so blessed by my family. And just, I can feel comfort through him. There's just so many things. It's hard to choose just one. Thank you, Grace. I think one of the images that really stands out to me talking about is that of, you know, a good shepherd. <laughs> and I love in verse 11 where he talks about gathering the lambs with his arm and carrying them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with the young. And I just, I love that image of him taking us by the hand and leading us as a good shepherd, waiting with open arms. I love that. Thank you. Melissa, any images that stand out to you that have special meaning with you? Yeah, I love these chapters because like Sister Craig says, they show us the character of God. And I love the images here. Here I'm reading from the Oxford Study Version. It's in um, contemporary English. In Isaiah chapter 49, um, 14 and 15, God says, um, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child or show no compassion for the child of her womb? So these beautiful images round out this, this understanding of who God is. From our Latter-day Saint readings of the scriptures, we can kind of see new layers of meaning. We can see places where they talk about a suffering servant um, who can tell us about how Christ um, was the, the greatest servant of all. We can find passages that talk about the, the character of God that reinforce our teaching of a heavenly father and a heavenly mother. So I just think it's so beautiful how Isaiah has written um, like in this way that speaks to so many centuries mm -hmm. and that can resonate in every age. Sister Craig, you know, as we, as we make these connections with um, connecting with Christ through Isaiah, I love Melissa's uh, description, you know, um, talking about how, you know, hope, hope is coming. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about, in, in your work with, with the youth, with the young women, why is it so important for them to retain uh, this idea of, of hope? And I think hope is a wonderful place to begin. Um, if someone can't say, I know this is true, they can hope it's true. And that's a really, really good place to begin. And there are so many competing voices in the world today. It's a loud and noisy place. And I think for all of us, if we don't know for certain, we can sure hope that it's true. And our hope can be centered in Jesus Christ. You know, Sister Craig, what you said reminds me of that scripture in 2 Nephi, where it reads, Wherefore, you must press forward with a steadfastness in Christ, having a perfect brightness of hope and a love of God and of all men. Wherefore, if ye shall press forward, feasting upon the word of Christ and endure to the end, behold, thus saith the Father, ye shall have eternal life. I love that. And it, it, when you read that and just our talk about hope, it reminds me of the youth theme for 2022, which is found in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Um, and it goes on. But I just think when we trust in the Lord, when we have faith, when we have hope, everything can be for our good. Those hard times that we go through and those good times, they can refine us when our hope is centered on Jesus Christ. Let's get some examples. I would love to hear how have you found hope in Jesus Christ during trying times? Christopher. I've been able to find hope in Christ knowing that he never forgets who I am personally. He knows me. He took upon him, you know, 
my sins, my weaknesses, my sicknesses, and he has healing power. Uh, healing power is found in Christ. And that's my hope in him, knowing that I can become whole, become perfected in him. Christopher, thank you. You know, I know as you're sitting with your beautiful family here, how do you take that same hope that you have found and instill that into your children? Teaching them that we can have full confidence in Christ. Believe him when he says he can save us, that he has the power to save us. Learning his attributes in these specific chapters that he's uh, all powerful. He knows all things. He, he loves us. He's there for us. Christopher, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Melissa, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on what we've been talking about of having that hope, uh, turning to Christ in trying times. What are your thoughts? You know, when I have hope in Christ, I have hope that that promise of repentance and atonement um, is really valid, that I can really actually become better. Sometimes I just feel like uh, no matter what I do, I'm just still not doing it right. And, um, and that's like so discouraging sometimes, especially when the mistakes that we make hurt other people. I think we can have hope that Christ will allow us to fix the things about ourselves or to forget or overcome the things about ourselves that hold us back and keep us from accomplishing those projects. Thank you, Melissa. You know, it's interesting how life experience teaches us. Um, I love how, you know, being a, being a parent often teaches you about my relationship with deity as I look down on my children. I, several years ago, my, my daughter, she was three, and uh, she had a really bad accident at our, at our home. And uh, she had to be rushed to primaries. And so she's in the hospital room, and she has all these, like, tubes hooked up to her. Oh, no. It was, it was awful, you know, and, and I'm just, and she's terrified. She's only three, right? So just me and my little girl, you know, and, and she, she, looks, she looks over at me, and, and she kind of has tears coming out of her eyes, and she says, she says, Dad, don't leave me. And so, so here I'm holding her hand. Of course, in my, in my mind, I'm like, of course there's no way I'm going to leave you. It was at that moment. It was just this moment of clarity. That testimony of my was strengthened, and that's what God does. He holds our hand, and he's not going to leave us. And so we have this beautiful image in, image in, in Isaiah of Christ just holding our hand, telling us it's going to be okay. That's the hope. Sister Craig, I, close us off on this idea of, of hope of Israel. An unfailing source of hope is knowing who we are. When we understand soul deep that we are sons and daughters of God, that should bring us great hope. Knowing our identity, who we are, and that we have a purpose. That understanding is crucial to navigate, I think, the noisy voices of the world and that we can repent and that it's joyful and there is great hope in our ability to change and to become because of the grace of Jesus Christ and because he has atoned for us and because there is this relationship and he is our good shepherd and he will hold our hand and carry us through these difficult times. I think that brings me great hope in my ability to, I mean, I have a lot of bad days, but gives me perspective that I can become all that I am asked to become because of Jesus Christ. And these chapters, again, teach me that I can trust him and I can trust his timing because I trust his heart. 
Sister Craig, thank you so much. Melissa, thank you so much for contributing, all of the audience, for your thoughts as we've talked about our first discussion topic, Hope of Israel. I stand as a witness to Christ by helping other people as Christ helped other people when He lived. I stand as a witness of Christ by sharing my testimony of this great work and this gospel. I really try to go to church and encourage other people to come to church because it's a really powerful thing that I know has affected a lot of people and has affected me. We can stand as a witness by the way we live our lives. It's in the small and simple things, um, being kind, sharing our testimonies in normal and natural ways with others, not being afraid to live the gospel boldly and to share it and to be true to Jesus Christ in all that we do and all that we say and the way we treat other people. That is standing as a witness. The second topic we're going to talk about today is Thou Art My Servant. So in these chapters, Melissa, we have a lot of references to servant, to witnesses. Who are we actually talking about specifically with the servant? That's a great question. So people who study Isaiah notice that in the second part of Isaiah from chapter 40 to the end, there are four servant narratives or servant songs, times where we talk about this suffering servant or a servant who will help God or who will accomplish God's work or whatever. So, um, you know, over time, different people have read this idea of the servant in different ways. Sometimes people thought it referred to um, the prophet Jeremiah who came after Isaiah. Um, other people thought that it referred to um, certain um, kings of Israel, uh, actually um, certain kings of Judah. And, um, you know, and as time went on, of course, followers of Jesus Christ would look back to Isaiah and say, see, this is the servant okay. um, talked about in this thing. And we can also read it you know, as, as really good models for how all of us can serve. Uh, Sister Craig, what are some of your thoughts on this servant theme throughout these chapters? I read it and I think I, how it applies to me as well and that could apply to me as I try to be a servant and as I try to stand as a witness that um, I, I have a responsibility. You know, and that leads to a, a question that came in from one of our viewers. So let's watch this question and then I'd love to get some of your thoughts on it. Hey, my name is Elder Moffitt and I'm currently serving as a missionary here in Portugal. As a missionary, I've had many opportunities to serve the Lord. And as I was reading in Isaiah, I noticed that he uses the word servant a lot. I'm wondering, what does the Lord expect of me as his servant? So Sister Craig, you introduced this idea of if, if we put ourselves in that servant role, uh, what is the expectation of us? President Nelson actually identified four things that we can do to further the work, to be servants, to gather Israel. Um, he talked about we can live the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can care for those in need. We can invite others to receive the gospel and we can unite families for eternity. Those four things are identified in the handbook as the work of salvation and exaltation. That sounds big. Sometimes gather Israel sounds big. But really, to be a servant, to be a witness, to be a disciple, we try to do as he did. We can be doing that important work that God has called us to do. In what ways are you a servant and witness of Christ? Natalie. 
So I'm thinking of acts of kindness. And the reason I say that is because of the acts of kindness that have been shown to me. You know, the love that I was shown from strangers is just a testament to me that we can all be servants and we can all show the love and light of Christ to others who are going through difficult times, even if we don't know it. Natalie, what's the principle that you learn knowing that we can serve through an act as small as kindness? Um, The way it makes people feel. Um, The way it can remind somebody that they are loved, that they are cared for just by somebody being kind. I just love something that President Margaret Nadal said. She said, standing as a witness in all things means being kind in all things, being the first to say hello, being the first to smile, being the first to make a stranger feel a part of things, being helpful, thinking of others' feelings, being inclusive. And I love that focus on on little things, Um, little things, but courageous things, putting yourself out there, being the first to reach out. And and Natalie alluded to that, you know, it's just being kind, small things. Sister Craig, what thoughts do you have? Um, I love this, and I love this quote. Thank you for sharing it from um, Sister Nadald, who served as a young women president about 20 years ago. And I love that she pointed out that it's not just standing in fast, fast and testimony meeting and bearing a testimony. We stand as a witness of Christ when we are kind, when we smile, when we reach out to someone, when we don't suppress a generous thought and act on those nudges to do good and be good. I remember... Um, one of the 12 once saying that someone asked him, so what is it like to be a witness of Christ? And he said, you tell me. In other words, we all have the responsibility, the covenant responsibility to stand as witnesses. Now, apostles have a calling to be a special witness of Jesus Christ, and that's different, but we all can witness of Jesus Christ through small and simple things. How else have you felt like you were a servant or a witness of Christ? Jax. Yes, um, I'm currently serving as a, as a primary president in my ward. And I feel like um, I, I'm always trying to do better. I'm trying to magnify my calling. And I'm trying to just help the kids to make covenants and to keep the commandments. I'm always trying to find better ways to um, help the families as well in our worst in these, in these um, <clears throat> difficult times. Um, I'm also always uh, learning ways to teach the gospel in a better way. And Jax, how does the Spirit help you in those moments to know who needs the help or what you need to do to help someone? Um, I always... Um, have meetings with my with my counselors. We always pray for every single one of the children in in our ward, and we always get the help that we need. Mm-hmm. Jax, thank you so much. Those are some great thoughts on ways that we can be witnesses, ways that we can serve. As we go out and we serve, we try to be a witness. What blessings have you seen uh, as you've gone out and tried to? stand as a witness uh, or be a light in your own life? Um, You know, Brigham Young said something once that is really profound to me. He said, a testimony is gained more on the feet than on the knees. So to me, I think as I'm intentional about my discipleship, 
about trying to be a witness, my testimony is strengthened. And I actually discover more things that I know to be true. God is saying, it's don't just be my servant and help these, um, this small group of people, but you are a light to the nations. So magnify the work that you're doing. Try to go beyond this small sphere of you know, what you're experiencing. And that's tricky. So I guess that's where we turn to Christ and, and his, um, his commandment that we try to love our neighbors as ourselves. And to love our neighbors, I guess we have to know them. So we can um, do the work, I guess, to know what other people's needs are so that we can serve other people. Yeah, I love that perspective. Uh, Sister Craig, what are some of your thoughts on the, the efforts that are being put forward um, to help the youth around the world to be that light? Gone are the days when youth just come to activities and to church to be entertained. <laughs> I think the yeah. world is a different place than when maybe we were growing up. And I think the youth, we need so desperately what they have to offer. The world is in desperate need of the way you think, of your hearts, your minds. And so I think we are trying to communicate and help adults understand that youth are an integral part of this work of salvation and exaltation. And that we don't just entertain them, but that they can be the answer to the problems. And that they can really do, and they are needed to do meaningful things in sharing the gospel and inviting. Youth can reach out to their peers and their friends and extend in a way that is different than adults. I think that's a message that as a young men and young women presidencies that we're trying to preach from our, <laughs> wherever we get a chance, um, that the youth are needed and to give them these opportunities and to step back, to be a mentor and to help them along the way, but that they are needed to do really important things. They're needed to be a light. I would love to hear some of your thoughts on how we can be a servant by being a light to others. Miranda. So I think it's really challenging to feel like I could be a light to anyone else. And it, it comforts me to remember that Christ is the light that I hold up. But I think, um, I think it was St. Francis of Assisi who might've said, uh, share the gospel all the time and if necessary, use words. And I think the best way to do that is to joyfully live the gospel and like, the joy of the gospel, if it really is in your heart, that'll just naturally emanate through your interactions with other people. And we'll, and that'll be the best way that you can share it with them. So Miranda, in those moments when you may not feel as happy or cheery yourself, what do you do to be able to overcome that so that you can go out and serve and be a light to others? For most of us who are just having kind of a humdrum um, blue kind of day, we can do things that like anchor us back to the Savior, whether that's listening to good music or trying to fiddle around in family search or calling a neighbor or a loved one and or opening our scriptures and just, you know, tying, our, tying ourselves back to the Savior a little bit. Miranda, thank you so much. Those are great thoughts. You know, Sister Craig, you've served uh, a lot. You Right now, you're in a very visible calling. I'm sure it takes you to a lot of different places. What are some of the blessings that you've received for serving and trying to be a light to others? I have been blessed by the example of so many people throughout the world that quietly 
go about following the Savior's example and they do good. And they will never be in the limelight and their names will never be known, but they are some of the best people I have ever met. We can be blessed to be able to do what we've been called to do. And you just never know how you're inspiring others by your efforts. Melissa, what final thoughts do you have for us? I think sometimes like in life, we come to these places where for whatever reason, you know, a family situation, a health situation, we just think like, this is really bad and I don't see how it's gonna get better. And that's a really hard place to be. And even though we go through super hard things, we do have this promise that everything will be restored to us. Um, that the loved ones we've lost, the health that we've lost, everything will be restored. These words can comfort us because we know ultimately God does have all power and ultimately um, God's will will be done. Thank you, Melissa, for your thoughts. Sister Craig, thank you for sharing with us and great comments from the audience. Thank you for being so willing to share your experiences with us. I'm excited as we uh, move into footnotes to dive in a little deeper to some of these things. Uh, but this has been a, a really good second discussion topic. Thou art my servant. I came out of this discussion uh, really strengthened by knowing that truly Christ and our Heavenly Father have never forgotten about me. There may be times where, because of my own doing, I've gone off the path but they're always there ready to receive me. Christ's hand is always outstretched and ready to receive me. Uh, kind of, you know, reminds me of returning to him in that, like the Hebrew word shuv, it's to turn back to God. And the opportunity is always there. It, I need to take that opportunity. There's always hope. Welcome to Come Follow Up Footnotes. All right, well, we've had a lot of fun so far talking about different things within these chapters. And I thought it'd be kind of fun to, as we continue this discussion, uh, to just, what are some of your favorite verses or themes from these chapters we've been talking about today? Uh, Sister Craig, do you wanna start us out? So many, I'll, yeah. I'll contain myself, but one, I love that President Nelson gives us invitations to act, I love that. And one of his invitations to us to look for promises to covenant Israel in scripture. Well, these chapters are packed with them. I love in chapter 42, verse 4, he shall not fail nor be discouraged. So I think when we are feeling discouraged and when we fail, again, that's, we turn to Jesus Christ. And every chapter has verses that are gold. Mm -hmm. um, I think these are some of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, speaking about um, the character of Jesus Christ, verses one through five. But, what chapter are you in? Oh, I'm sorry, 43. 43, okay. Yes. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. Since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. And then fear not, for I am with thee. These are just beautiful promises mm -hmm. that I cling to and that give me a lot of comfort. 
And they're so relatable. I think in any given circumstance or situation, you know, where you are feared or fearing or you are maybe just feeling a little alone, there is, I love these, these verses. Just don't be afraid. I, I'm here. I'm with you. And everything's going to be okay. I love that. Thank you. Melissa? One really awesome chapter that I love is chapter 47. Um, which I, I don't know if like some of your favorite verses are in chapter 47, because in chapter 47, um, God is just basically smacking down Babylon. Mm -hmm. and, and what I think we can do, since we're supposed to liken scriptures to ourselves, this, this shows like how God has the power to whack down our most deadly enemies. So like, you know, for me, it's like cancer. So, so it's nothing so, like, a, we're not talking the physical enemies. It's just like the things that life throws out. I mean, God can work out. Oh, I just thought about that. <laughs> yeah, good point. We don't want to like apply this to like real human beings. Right. Okay, okay. But let, let, let's say for me, chapter four, I'm going to read this and then I'm going to liken it to myself. Come and sit down in the dust, virgin daughter Babylon. So it's talking about Babylon here. Sit on the ground without a throne, daughter Chaldea. For you shall no more be called tender and delicate. Take the millstones and grind meal. Remove your veil. Strip off your robe. Uncover your legs. Pass through the rivers. Your nakedness shall be uncovered. Your shame shall be seen. I will take vengeance and I will spare no one. Our Redeemer, the Lord of hosts is his name, is the Holy One of Israel. And so what we can do, what I think is like the use of this, of this text, is you know, if we really hope that God will fight our battles for us, and we want to have help in like fighting the things that are killing us. We can just think like the, the kind of vehemence expressed here. God says um, not only that like, I will help you when you're sad, but God says, I will fight your battles with you and I will help you smack down the things that are trying to kill you or destroy you or keep you from me. I love that. I think it's great, you know, and I love how you can take something and, and really personalize it and, and relate it to, you know, things that, that you struggle with and you're going through. And, you know, I love how the scriptures allow us to do that. Okay, I'll share one. Chapter 40, verse 8. And something I found interesting about this, this scripture, because often sometimes you're, you're disappointed when you look for something and you, you get like, ah, that kind of stung. You know, I, I expected something from somebody and it doesn't happen. Mm. So reading this verse, it says, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. And so I've always just loved that. And it, it helps me to remember what matters most and who is who I can count on no matter what. You know, if you get let down in life, um, if things don't go the way I always want, I can, I can take confidence and have faith and know that, look, the word of God, God shall stand forever. And that's always going to be there. So I love that. But there's so much emphasis on focusing on Christ uh, of late, right? There's this constant emphasis. And you had mentioned earlier in the beginning of the episode, how Isaiah points us to Christ and how if we can just put our trust in him, when you focus on Christ and, and his word, then it really allows us to get through anything. It really does. And I think people will fail. The people in this church are not perfect. Mm -hmm. The leaders are not perfect. But Jesus Christ is perfect. And our Heavenly Father is perfect. But to separate people who are imperfectly trying to figure life out. And we're, and that's part of mortality. We're mm -hmm. walking side by side with people who are trying to figure it out. And we all make mistakes, but it gives us opportunities to trust in the Lord and to become refined and to become the disciples that He needs us to be, to be the witnesses 
that he needs us to be. If everybody was perfect, it wouldn't be hard, would it? Well, if, if our model of you know becoming Israel is is actual Israel, that's a total model for how there's tons of imperfection, people always getting it wrong, and yet God makes a covenant, and they strive to keep the covenant, and they fail, but they keep trying over and over again. Yeah, and He's a God of second chances. He keeps giving us opportunities to try and to learn as we navigate mortality. That's right. All right, there's a lot of really good themes and within so these much. chapters. There's some really, some songs that we, we use often, but may not recognize, you know, that they do come from the words of Isaiah. Well, I'll just, one of my favorite hymns, I think is inspired from Isaiah 41, verse 10. <laughs> You'll probably recognize these words from How Firm a Foundation. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. I love that. You know, you, you make me, you remind me of something that a previous guest on the show said, which is that, you know, we have to remember that Isaiah's poetry. It's, it's written as poetry. And so that's probably one of the reasons why it translates so well to songs, because there's poetry there. And that also makes me think about something that I learned just in, in learning about um, kind of Old Testament poetry. There's a, a quality of intensification in it. So sometimes it seems like um, Old Testament verses are a bit repetitive, but usually if, if you read the kind of like poetry in Isaiah, you kind of notice this quality of intensification. So for example, the verse you just read, fear not for I am with thee, be not dismayed for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yet I will help thee, yet I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. So, um, you know, in the first place you get strength, the next place you get help with your stuff, and the third place God is literally Lifting holding you. <laughs> so, um, so many of the, of the verses have that kind of quality, and maybe that's one of the things that makes Isaiah so beautiful to read as it's written poetically. And, you know, we talked about earlier uh, images, you know, and how we can, because of poetry, we, we get this, these images that we can, you know, visualize in our minds to, to later use us. And something that was brought up earlier um, comes from uh, chapter 49, verse 16. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Um, I love that. You know, it makes you wonder sometimes, you know, as, as, as we go through life and, and trials and, and even the joys, you know, at those moments when to, when to think about Christ, you know, just having maybe your face or your name on his hand. It's like, this is why I did this for, I did this for you. You know, and to know that it can be as widespread and as infinite and eternal as the atonement is, it is so, so personal. Holding your hand. Holding your hand. Yeah, another image we, we talked about, holding your hand. Love that. And we know that Jesus Christ, we are ever before him. He has graven us upon the palms of his hands. And I think, how am I um, engraving Jesus on my heart and my mind? And in a world that's so noisy and chaotic, how can I remember him always and have him before me? My mind went, the first thing I thought was um, the privilege and the blessing of wearing the temple garment and that it is a symbol of relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is something that I can always have. And so for me, that's, that's becoming more and more meaningful mm -hmm. as a symbol of Jesus Christ and what he's done for me and his atoning sacrifice and how I am engraved. 
And that is a symbol of relationship, that it is a blessing to put on every day and to remember that and have Jesus Christ close to my heart. How do we help those that perhaps, you know, they're not in that mm -hmm. situation or maybe even the youth? Um, what are some of the things that we can do to encourage them to remember? Because man, we live in such a world of distraction. And I feel like the adversary is constantly trying to like, here, look over here or, you know, pay attention to what's- Oh, distraction is one of his greatest tools. Right. Yeah. Well, we have this phrase, learn something by heart. That means to memorize it. Mm -hmm. But the implication there is when we memorize something, it's there in our heart. Um, I was just thinking that we should have, um, you know, I, we're kind of starting this thing in our family. We're trying to memorize more scriptures, but now I'm really going to, really going to do it because if you memorize it, it's there all the time. And this raises another question, this question of, of idolatry. So, so um, you know, because s throughout history, people have, have believed in gods they couldn't see and have then created images to help kind of help them remember, right? But then, but then there becomes this kind of subtle transfer from, from uh, where, where people worship the image and, and the yeah. image itself uh, kind of takes over. Yeah. Um, so for example, in, the Mos uh, in Islam, um, if you go into a mosque, there are no images of animals or people. The only kind of decorations are, um, you know, beautiful calligraphy or kind of patterns, uh, you know, geometric or, or floral or, or, you know, patterns. Um, because there's the, um, our, our brothers and sisters, the Muslims, they don't want to put up a picture of the Prophet Muhammad or a, a picture of God because of the, of the danger yeah. of that becoming an object of worship. And so, so, so this makes me think, well, gee, I've got like all these like Jesus pictures <laughs> in my house, you know? And the, so it's like an interesting balance, right? We mm -hmm. want to have things that we can understand and relate to that help us remember like, and, and understand these big things like, like a savior that we haven't seen with our own eyes um, and, and a God that, well, I, I don't know about you, but I have not seen with my own eyes. Um, I would love to see Heavenly Father and We're Heavenly Mother. club. <laughs> So you have something that's supposed to be good and wholesome, but if we're not careful, it can lead us down. We have this danger of, of letting like the things that we can understand and see and feel sometimes like substitute yeah. or, or, or take over. Sister Craig, what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you see uh, a pattern of modern idols that, you know, the youth and as, that we as general need to be aware of? Things that take precedence or if something or someone keeps us from doing those small and simple things that we've been asked to do by a prophet of God or that the Spirit is asking us to do, that can be an idol. Just trying to keep the focus on Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ was always doing the will of His Father. He was always pointing people to the Father. And I think, again, trying to, it's not about us. Yeah. <laughs> um, we do what we do because we love Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's about Him. The key commandment is love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And it's like sometimes we shouldn't make marriage an idol mm. as if that's the whole point of the gospel. It's so important. Um, I have learned so much from my marriage about being like Christ, but it's not like, it's not the point of the gospel, right? Um, the point of the gospel is to follow Jesus Christ, as you said. So I think sometimes even righteous things can risk becoming the things that we set up as the point of everything mm -hmm. when the point of everything is Christ. And, and I guess the, the danger of setting up like something like marriage as the point of the whole gospel is that not all people 
can be I married. See. So often we kind of trip each other up, not, not meaning to. We can even trip ourselves up in the sense of taking something that's like powerful and good, but then like letting it kind of eclipse the main thing, which is yeah. following Christ. Absolutely. Sister Craig, any thoughts on that? I think it's good. And I think one of the reasons that um, President Nelson has told us that revelation and that we need to increase our capacity for revelation um, because we're navigating some really tricky times and some tricky issues. And I think if we, like you said, are trying to follow Jesus Christ and that is the umbrella and we're following the two great commandments and that we're getting our own revelation for us. And if it's aligned with what the prophet is saying and what the words of prophets anciently are saying, then we, we have confidence in that and we move forward keeping Jesus Christ as the most important thing. You know, one of the things that I love about um, these chapters, you know, and I keep going back to what you said, I love how they just all point to Christ. And in those moments when we can kind of get distracted, um, there's this, um, this image or this theme of, of the creation and all of, uh, of the wonderful things that are out there that point us, uh, all God's creations that, that point us back to, to him and to, and to Jesus Christ. Uh, verse 26 of chapter 40, lift up your eyes on high and behold who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number. And he calleth them all by names by the greatness of his might. I love this, this idea of look around you, look at everything that is around you that testifies, as we talked about, that witnesses of, of God's goodness. And uh, my wife loves to, to run and she loves to be outdoors and run trails. And she feels so close uh, to God when she's out there doing it. And, and, I, and I, I just love that when, when there's those around us that can point out and that can stop and smell the roses, you know, and, and just appreciate. What are some of the creations that you would say throughout your life really stand out to you as something that draws you in and connects you with God? You know, I think in my own life, um, I wish I loved to run trails <laughs> and be in the mountains. I don't, but I love to just be outside to walk. I think there's something about nature and just trying to separate ourselves. Some people live in the middle of a big city and they don't have that opportunity. Mm -hmm. But I think we can all find evidence of God's hand wherever we are. Um, in my own life, it's just going on a walk, even on a trail by my home that's paved and flat. <laughs> or um, there's a lake that we have visited every summer since I was a child. And there's something holy about that. That has become holy ground to me because I think of my memories and I just, my testimony has grown in those quiet moments just on the beach, reflecting about my identity, my purpose, trying to figure out what that was. So I think we all have holy places. I love that. I remember one time the, the place where we go out and run, it had, uh, a couple of years ago, it burned. And so it was really pretty. And then all of a sudden it just was just black and charred. But of course you could still see the trails. And one time we're out there. And after several months in the springtime, there was this, um, was this little baby sunflower that just was poking up and it was the coolest thing. I, I took a picture of it because I thought it was so neat of this little sunflower up against this backdrop of, of blackness 
and, you know, charred trees and, and bushes and things. And it was just this, that idea of hope. And, you know, it's just, it's just comforting to see that, you know, we're always safe, you know, uh, as we focus and set our lives on Christ. I love that scripture that you shared, Ben. I'm going to just read it one more time because I like it so much. Um, this is in the Oxford Study Bible translation. Lift up your eyes on high and see. So to the stars, look at the stars. Who created these? He who brings out their host and numbers them, calling them all by name because he is great in strength mighty in power, not one is missing. So there's this beautiful image of, you know, the multitude of stars, um, but not one is missing. Like that same God who calls the stars by name and numbers them um, knows those names. And that's the same God who um, sees the fall of a sparrow and can certainly know what's going on in our lives. I think that's such a beautiful and powerful image. I love that, Melissa. Thank you. That. And when you said, you know, he called them all by name, his creations, I think the example in the scriptures, we see that, how he calls Joseph. You know, the mm -hmm. first, first thing he says to Joseph in that grove, Joseph, called him by name. We see that with Enoch, with Moses. And he knows us by name, that we're his children, we're his creations. Melissa, you spent so much time in your career studying scriptures and studying the gospel. You mind just sharing with us a little bit of, of what sparked that uh, desire in you? To study the scriptures? Yeah, just your, your, your work of scriptures and church history and everything <laughs> you're involved with. Where does that come from? What's the point of everything? <laughs> 42. As a reference to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, that's a good question. I guess I've just always been fascinated by how people have tried to find meaning, not just in our faith, but people everywhere. I'm so interested in sacred texts, either Buddhist texts or Taoist texts. I think it's, um, I see people trying to kind of describe like God mm -hmm. with like different ways, but all those things kind of overlap in interesting places. And what I love about the Latter-day Saint tradition is that Joseph Smith said that, you know, we embrace all truth, you know, wherever it is, um, where we can find it. And so, so I just love that. I think that, um, you know, the Latter-day Saint tradition, like Joseph, is, is a seeking tradition. And he was fearless in just kind of going into all sorts of realms of new knowledge, like learning Hebrew and diving into the scriptures and um, expanding on the Bible and doing all the things that Joseph did. I just love um, seeing where the scriptures kind of triangulate us and, and point us towards something really powerful. I think anyone who studies religion can, can confirm that, you know, this, this notion of a God who, who is powerful, who exists, who loves us is, is not just a, a dumb person's idea. It's not like a flight of fancy. There's this really powerful call to people all over the place. Um, that, you know, this is real, and I just love understanding more about it. Thank so, you. It's a good answer. <laughs> Sister Craig, was there something that you wanted to share? I just had this thought when um, Melissa was talking about your love for Scripture and how important it is to turn to Scripture. And I read a verse this morning, and it, um, I just thought, oh, it's in the Joseph Smith history, verse 10. In this midst of this war of words and tumult of opinions— and I think, oh, that is the world we are living in today, isn't yeah. it? A war of words and all the different opinions that are 
dividing people. And um, Joseph says, what is to be done? Like, what is to be done? When we have that same question, what do I do? How do I know? Verse 11, he turned to the scriptures. I don't know, to me, that was just a really good example of where I need to go when I have questions and to understand God um, and his nature, not to go to social media, not to Google, not to watch something on whatever news channel, (laughs) um, but to go to scripture and to get my own witness. So I love what you said about how, um, you know, why have people turned to scriptures? over time. You know, if, if you read the Old Testament, you, sometimes like it, it reads like blah, 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 famous scripture, blah, blah, <laughs> blah, right? But, you know, I think that's like what's so beautiful about it because, you know, people, th- this Bible, you mean the library, people have hauled around this like library for a really long time mm-hmm. and, and gone to such pains to preserve it and, and venerated it despite all these human sometimes crazy stuff in it and um, or stuff that doesn't survive the, the you know time and context and culture as well as other things and I think that's like a lesson for for us about how precious it is when we have a relationship with God and an interaction with God you know like like they had interactions with God and they wrote them down and it's just um, you know, we, we write things down in our journals Right? Or, or we tell people the stories in testimony meeting about how we had an experience. And those, those stories become part of our kind of living testimony. And, and the, these voices are, you know, are, are in our hearts. I think it's, it's so powerful. You know, and like it reads in chapter 40, verse 8, the grass withereth, the flower fades, but the word of God shall stand forever. Thank you both for for being with us and for sharing your experiences. Uh, Sister Craig, it's been so great getting to know you and uh, what a wonderful opportunity you have to work with so many of the youth um, and providing that hope of Israel uh, as is our first theme that we talked about today and our second theme of Thou Art My Servant. So again, thank you so much. Really appreciate your thoughts. And thank all of you for joining us at home. We want to remind you and encourage you to follow through on any prompting that you may have felt from the Spirit as you've watched today. Please join us next time for another episode of Come Follow Up. Come Follow Up is a production of BYU Broadcasting.